Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is the most perennial of perennial Keenon subjects. How are we going to begin talking to one another in our age of polarization and division? One person we had on the show who's really good on this uh, is Monica Guzman. She was on the show a couple of years ago talking about having fearless, curious conversations in our dangerously divided time. Uh, Monica Guzman is uh, one of the senior people at Braver Angels, a group bringing people together. And a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Braver Angels convention in Gettysburg in Pennsylvania, of course, also the site of the uh, battle, the famous battle of the Civil War. It was a particularly interesting uh, few days. I had a series of conversations. I'm going to run some interviews. And one of the people I bumped into at Braver Angels was another perennial keen on guest, Jonathan Rausch. He's a Brookings uh, Institute scholar, a best-selling writer. The last time he was on the show, uh, Jonathan feared uh, what he called a post-democratic America. So when I bumped into him uh, in Gettysburg, we began by asking him uh, whether things had got any better by July of 2023 when it came to divisions in America. The very latest data suggests things are still getting worse. Um, and that people are still finding ways to divide and things to divide over, and that Reds are still moving into geographic areas that are consolidating by party, and Blues are doing the same, and education levels become a large split, and party affiliation has become even larger. So right now the signs are not super good. This blues and reds, left and right, John, uh, you're in the middle. Uh, the old joke in Texas, I think I've told you this joke, probably heard it a hundred times. I think it was Ann Richards who joked that uh, the only thing uh, in the middle of the road in Texas is roadkill. Dead armadillo, yeah, yellow stripe and dead armadillo. Yeah, fortunately we're not in Texas, uh, otherwise you wouldn't be with us. Um, in all seriousness, John, here at Braver Angels, the the reds are wearing red tags, the blues are wearing blue tags. Everyone wants to talk to one another. It's, they seem to, at least. That's why they join Braver Angels. How much unhappiness, broadly, do you think there is about this polarization? Are the blues unhappy that they're not talking to the reds? Are the reds unhappy that they're not talking to the blues? Or is most of the unhappiness directed to the other colors? Well, it depends who you ask. Uh, there was a wonderful survey, you probably had it on the show, by a group called More in Common in 2018. They divided the country up into seven groups, ranging from hardcore conservatives to hardcore progressives. And they found that about one in six Americans falls on those extremes, but they're the most politically active. In the middle, the biggest group by far is what they call the exhausted majority. And these are people who are just sick of the yelling, the failure to compromise, the demonizing the other side, they, but they're politically exhausted. 
There are many cases they're just disengaged because they've had it. They're being driven away from the process by these noisy people on the extremes. And those are the people, plus the dead armadillos and the yellow stripes in the middle of the road, except they've had it. So that's why they're here, actually. This is a group of the exhausted majority, conservatives and progressives, uh, who are trying to do something about it. John, you, you live in Washington, D.C. You're an inside-the-beltway kind of guy, better or worse. Uh, there are others of these types of groups popping up, getting into the media. Media loves to write about them, I think, because probably people in the media are sympathetic. Uh, the No Labels group who have been on the show as well. How much of a significant political phenomenon are they, and can they manifest themselves in some sort of third-party way in 2024? Well, if you mean no labels specifically, or if you mean this constellation of groups that are trying yeah, I mean, to figure no out a center and, and the, the braver angels of the world, all or of them who have the same message about polarization and our need to get beyond it. Well, they're very different from each other. Uh, no labels is a political party. They have organized uh, to get on the ballot in all 50 states. They are likely to run a third-party candidacy for president. A lot of people feel that they are Donald Trump's ticket back to the White House. Braver Angels is organizationally the opposite of that. It is completely a grassroots group. It is not organized politically. It's not about partisan politics. It's about local people relearning just how to communicate with each other. It's not trying to persuade each other. It's not even a search for common ground. It's can the blues and the reds learn to reestablish some kind of connection as civic neighbors? So, and then in between, you've got all kinds of other groups contributing in all kinds of ways. You know, you've got groups that are organizing people for have dinners across partisan lines. You name it. So it's 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 a lot of things going on, but but it's hard to generalize. Today, John, I'm not sure if you saw the news, uh, Bill de Blasio, the former mayor of New York City, announced that he was separating from his wife, but they weren't getting divorced. Uh, I joke with my wife, you can't be half divorced, but clearly Bill de Blasio disagrees. Is that one way of addressing this red-blue split, this right-left split in America, is to agree to live separate lives but not formally divorce because of course Americans, at least in political terms, divorce would be the ultimate nightmare. Well that is, you know, this notion of kind of uh, separating but within the country so Texas gets more red and California gets more blue and the less they have with, to do with each other the better. The problem is that's what's happening and it's not working. It's making things worse and not better and it turns out the reason for that is that once Americans begin to split apart into zones where blues only meet blues and only marry blues and only go to school with blues and reds do the same, they begin to get an exaggerated view of how different the other side is and how much the other side hates them. People have a two times exaggerated view of how extreme the other side is um, and how much they disagree and even about how big a threat they are to democracy. So separating, unfortunately, unfamiliarity breeds contempt. Um, and that's why it's turning out that we're just going to, I think, I don't know what others are telling you, Andrew, but, but we've just, we've got to do the work of, of 
recombining and getting to know each other. So the short version is no. I don't think I don't think the country can go the way of Bill de Blasio. I understand people from Florida and California, for example, getting to know one another again and sharing something in common. You can throw in Texas as well. But aren't there some divisions in this country that are so profound in a socioeconomic, a cultural sense that these people have become quite literally foreigners to one another? We've done a number of shows on keen on on this increasingly sharp division between rural America and urban America. On some of these differences insurmountable, Joan, in, in a cultural and therefore a political sense? I'm sure some are, and of course that's the question we're, we're testing. Um, that said, the issues that divide the country right now, I think abortion is a very serious gap, but the country largely agrees on abortion. They want some limits but not extreme limits. We don't have anything as divisive as the civil rights struggle in the 50s and 60s. Well, and you know, what the South was doing was, was just outrageous and oppressive, and you had to call out the National Guard. I'm, of course, gay, and now live in a country where we've gone from deeply divided on same-sex marriage to its wide acceptance. So I, I don't think the question is, is do we have deep differences? To me, the question, it's an open question, Andrew. You, your answer is as good as mine, probably better. You get out a lot more than I do, but, but to me, the question is, uh, can we manage these differences? And that involves, I think, the Braver Angels process of repairing the civic fabric. And then the other part of this is repairing the political fabric, which has to do with restoring the engines of compromise on Capitol Hill and in Congress. Restoring the ability to just sit around the table and not leave the room until you've got some kind of agreement. And they're both hard. I mean, don't look to me for any guarantees. Is it conceivable, John, that we're moving into a, what we might think of as a kind of feudal mon modernism? In the feudal age, of course, people could live geographically close and lead entirely different lives. Uh, and their connections were with people who were geographically not tied to them. So cities, for example, around the world were connected, uh, but they weren't connected with the countryside. Is it conceivable that we're simply, for one socioeconomic reason or socio-cultural technological reason, we're, we're falling into a world where geography doesn't matter anymore and that you in Washington DC and me in San Francisco and our friends in Berlin on London have much more in common than anyone living in Iowa or the Dakotas. Very possible and, and very worrisome, yeah. There's a whole school of thought that says that in effect, you know, people who graduate from Princeton or Yale and get an advanced degree have a lot more in common with, I don't know, a similarly educated person in Dubai than they do with the guy who fixes the plumbing um, and lives a couple miles away. Social media, of course, makes this kind of sorting much easier. In fact, algorithms do it for us. And it's a challenge. You know, the world I grew up in, uh, in the U.S., was a world where you, you ran into people every day. You just had to, you know, the barber shop. There's no way to avoid running into people who are very different. Yeah, I still do. There's not much of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's still these opportunities, but, but you've just framed the challenge very well. Um, that's, but again, you know, I'm here in Gettysburg right now because 
The core of the braver angels theory is that it is still possible in an organized and deliberate way to encounter other Americans, partly online, but mostly face-to-face, -face, who share our communities, who would not ordinarily make a point of meeting, talking to each other in a structured environment. You know, they're not just meeting at a cocktail party, they're sitting down to really listen with some support and some guidance on how to do that. And the thing they leave saying, more often than anything else, which is also a true thing, empirically verified by actual scientists, is we are not as divided as we're being led to believe, because in fact we're not as divided as we're being led to believe. John, one of my takeaways from this excellent Braver Angel Convention is that people are, for better or worse, importing uh, the language of therapeutic America, of divorce and bodily breakdown. Is that helpful or, or should we be concerned when the language of politics is colonized by the language of therapy and psychotherapy well, yes, in particular? And you know, they talk the use of words like trauma to mean instead of severe head injury, uh, having something said to you that you think is a microaggression. Uh, yeah, we should be concerned about that. And a lot of people who know a lot more about it than I have have, have written about it. On the other hand, I, I just also point out, you know, one of the interesting things about Braver Angels, one reason it's effective is, is I mentioned that it's just now, that it's, it's structured, it's not just throwing people into a room. It's based on a protocol that comes from, guess what, marriage counseling. Uh, it was originally designed by Bill Doherty, who's one of the leading family therapists in the country. And it turns out you can use these techniques to help people relearn how to listen. And listening is always the first step. So, you know, maybe we can put some of this therapeutic thinking to good use. At least that's, that's the hope around here. I have a feeling, John, finally, that if America is to be led out of this, it's not going to be led from the center. It's either going to come from the left or the right. I think you first appeared on Keen On, you were with Pete Wayne, a very distinguished conservative, uh, religious conservative. You and he have a close relationship. You wrote a really interesting piece a couple of years ago. I, think. Uh, I don't know if it was in the late Trump years or just after Trump was uh, thrown out of office suggesting that we should fear the right more than the left and that you and Wayne as conservatives or centrist conservatives were more fearful of Trumpism than of the wokists on the left. Uh, I wonder if America is to be led out of this, if, if, if America can learn to talk to one another, whether the initiative will come from conservatives or progressives? Well, I'll, th I'll think about it in a slightly different way. Uh, the James Madison idea, idea for the country was not that we would all agree with each other and find common ground. He understood that that's never going to happen. But he and the others wrote a constitution which centers compromise. The only way to get things done under the Constitution is to negotiate and compromise with people you disagree with. So the question to me isn't whether the left or the right brings us out or if somehow we revive the center, though I hope that happens. It's can we recommit to 
negotiation and compromise between those forces. And America is at its best when it does that, right? With a few exceptions, like civil rights, where one side was right and one side was wrong. For the most part, both of these views have something to offer. Um, and the system is designed to force us to sit down across from each other. And we don't have to love each other. We don't have to love compromise. But we do have to be willing to do it. And if, I think if we get out of it, it's because of the civic habit of negotiation and compromise. And that starts here, you know, here in Gettysburg, at least for me. That is the, the, the Rauschian <laughs> Gettysburg address, is it, John? It's, it's the Rauschian Gettysburg address, and it's also the, the Braver Angels idea is you come as you are and you leave as you are. No one is trying to convert you, change your views, move you from left to right or from left to right to center. All we're really trying to do is say, you know what, if we talk to each other, if we relearn to listen, if we stop demonizing each other, then we can begin to repair the civic fabric. And that's the starting place.